thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is one of the darlings of the paleo scene. As an early adopter of this way of eating, she was out there smashing it with delicious recipes while the rest of us were still learning how to activate our almonds. Despite being labelled with the P word, her food is unpretentious and it's packed with colour and flavour. It's family friendly, dinner party worthy and able to convert even the biggest health food sceptics. In fact, her food is so good that I suspect a lot of her fans are not even paleo at all. If you want just simple, awesome whole food meals, you've come to the right place. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the wonderful Arena Macri from Eat Drink Paleo. Woo! Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jules. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. That's quite an intro. I was listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best, mate. I do my best. Thank you. It was quite flattering, actually. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'll let you borrow it. Um, Arena, tell me a little about what you do and how you came to be so passionate about paleo in the first place. So for those who don't know, I am a food blogger, I suppose, is the best way to describe what I do. I, I, I blog about paleo cooking specifically or gluten-free cooking, real food, whatever you want to call it. Labels are just kind of labels, right? Yeah. And I started a few years ago, maybe 2011 or 2012, uh, when I myself discovered paleo for the, for the first time. And back then, uh, I guess I was searching for, you know, a healthier way of eating, for something that was going to be not just about sort of, you know, weight loss or weight gain, but was more about longevity and like a preventative kind of food as medicine type uh, way of eating. I think it was because, I mean, I turned 30 and my mom went through two cancers and you know, as you get older, you, bec- you realize you're not invincible. So, you know, your metabolism slows down, you start to get a few wrinkles, you get a few chronic pains here and there. And you realize, gee, I need to kind of, I need to look at my diet and my lifestyle. You know, I can't just go out drinking till five in the morning every Friday. And, uh, you know, I stumbled on, on paleo through friends, really. And like everybody else, especially back in those days, I was very intrigued and curious and I thought it was just crazy because, you know, it it does eliminate a lot of foods that I was so used to eating. You know, I used to eat pasta and bread and I was a real carboholic. And uh, I just thought I want to try it because it does sound so, you know, unusual. And I sort of transitioned, transitioned quite slowly. You know, I didn't just go cold turkey. And um, after a few months, you know, doing kind of paleo or modified paleo approach, I, you know, I really did see fantastic results in my own health and how I felt from my uh, energy levels, the way that I slept, my skin, um, my hunger levels. And I decided that I would try and share my own story with other people because at the time uh, there weren't that many resources, especially in Australia. There were a few things coming over from the U.S., but, you know, U.S. food and culture and seasons are different. And uh, at the time there weren't that many food blogs or or cookbooks, and so all the food looked a little bit meh, a little bit bland, and it was like meat and three veg, nothing really interesting. And here I was in my own kitchen cooking these fantastic meals that were unprocessed, using natural ingredients, very nutrient-dense. 
And so I thought, gosh, I need to go and demystify this whole paleo thing because it's actually a lot easier than people think. And so I started my blog and started sharing recipes. It was as simple as that. And within, you know, six months, it just grew. And I realized that there were all these other people interested in the same thing as me. And that led me to kind of do, doing this full time and I sort of releasing cookbooks and that sort of thing in programs and uh, became my full time job. But started as a hobby, just a passion really. Yeah, I know you've had two cookbooks out so far now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, my first cookbook was a few years ago, actually. It was a, quite a fun story because it was crowdfunded by uh, my audience, or my, by my readers. And so I was self-published at first. And it was the Idrin Paleo cookbook, which people might have seen around. Uh, and that became quite popular. And so then I got signed by Penguin to, to publish a new book. And now uh, I have Idrin Paleo cookbook out, which is international, really. It's sort of in multiple languages. And the latest one is a Happy Go Paleo Cookbook, which is kind of my follow-up and it's also a reflection of my own evolution and in the paleo world and how I've modified the paleo to be more accessible, uh, less dogmatic, I suppose, um, and it's about kind of more meals, complete meals. So I have two books out and, yeah, it's been a really fun process and kind of taught me a lot of things and been lots of cooking, lots of fun things happening, yeah. I love that you bring up that slightly different approach that you have uh, because it's something that I'm really interested in chatting with you about because it's something that I do as well um, with my Shiny Healthy You program and a lot of my clients and that's that 80-20 paleo approach. So you're slightly less hardcore than some paleo people out there, which I love. So tell me why that works so well for you and which what's your 20%? What have you added back in that wasn't 100% paleo? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, for those who are not familiar, the 100% paleo approach is uh, eliminating all grains and legumes, uh, all dairy, uh, sort of processed oils, you know, omega-6 omega uh, rich oils like vegetable oil, canola, soybean, uh, sugar, processed sugar, you know, some people go no alcohol, no coffee, you know, like really kind of hardcore. So you're pretty much left with uh, animal protein and fish, uh, eggs, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, nuts and seeds, and sort of healthy fats like avocados, coconut oil, uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's fine. It's sustainable for – you can eat that way for a while. But um, it is a little bit restrictive and – as I was kind of learning more about paleo and uh, about food nutrition in general, uh, I've sort of discovered that, you know, we all have different sensitivities and every person is biologically very unique. So if one person is, can be very intolerant to dairy or wheat, another person can have only a slight sensitivity and perhaps they can, you know, add a little bit of, of fermented dairy such as yogurt or kefir or high-fat dairy such as butter or for other people – you know, legumes might not be such a big problem, especially if they're prepared properly and they're pre-soaked and cooked well and sort of that eliminates a lot of that kind of gas and bloating that comes with it. Um, so, you know, I was experimenting for a few years, you know, and eliminating these foods for, say, 30 days, which is usually what's recommended, and then adding a few things back in and uh, creating this kind of 80-20 approach, which is, you know, 80% of the time I'll eat pretty clean, um, you know, 100% paleo, sort of very simple foods. Uh, and then for the 20% of the time, I've added back in things like butter, 
which is really nutrient dense, uh, full of you know fat soluble vitamins and especially grass fed butter. I add a little bit of yogurt and kefir, which I make myself. I add things like even white rice, for example. You know, a lot of people might be surprised by that because they think white rice is, you know, it's a very refined carbohydrate and, you know, surely brown rice is better than white rice. But, you know, when it comes to certain anti-nutrients that are found in the brown rice, um, white rice is just a polished version of that. It's just been, you know, a lot of those things are removed with the bran of the rice when it's milled. So white rice is just a simple starch and it's, it's a great source of simple glucose that you can use, utilize for energy. So if you're very active like me uh, and you need more carbohydrates in your diet, and I don't think we all should be low carbohydrate because it's not necessarily good for everybody, uh, you want to add those things back in. So I've added white rice on occasion. I eat a little bit of quinoa, buckwheat, um, even legumes every now and then, you know, if I'm somewhere like, you know, I'm traveling and that's the only thing I can find, that's still better than getting a white bread sandwich. So I will go for some legumes instead. So that's kind of my 20 rules. And, you know, I drink a little bit of wine because I like it, a little bit of dark chocolate, you know, gelato, because, you know, you, you're here to leave. You, you can't just kind of completely restrain yourself from everything because, that will eventually lead to, to a kind of very unhealthy relationship with food and, um, you know, fanaticism, I suppose. And people get so stressed about what they're going to eat that the stress itself causes problems. It's almost like a paranoia that sets in, isn't it, when you get really dogmatic about the food because you're like, oh, my God, I can't go out. What if they put something in my dinner that I would yeah. not put it in? I would not put that in at home and you start to question everything and stress about everything and we all know that stress raises our cortisol levels and I always say to people like what, what's the payoff for getting so stressed about food like you end up getting really high cortisol and yeah exactly and you you know it, it does paralyze you from a social kind of perspective from going out and, and, and hanging out with friends and also it does create that you know a lot of um, guilt which I think you know people feel that if they do have something that's not 100% paleo or, you know, they have a little cupcake, they feel and see it as a failure, which is so wrong because, you know, it's just normal and it's human and you should just, if, if you have something that's that's a little bit naughty, that's fine. Just get back to eating a healthy meal uh, with your dinner or the next morning, you know, and some people see that as an excuse. You know, if I fall off the wagon, I hate that word, once, they go, oh, that's it, I failed, I'm not going to continue with this journey because I'm just, I'll just give up. So I think I totally agree, you know, don't stress too much, just kind of be kind and gentle to yourself and allow yourself those 20%. It might be different for different people. You know, some people are genuinely very sick and they have severe sensitivities to foods. And for that reason, they will need to eliminate more than others. But, you know, if you've restored your metabolism and your gut health is, in, is intact and you're generally active and, and lean, I see no reason why you shouldn't be adding some of those foods back in on occasion. Yeah, I love that. And and I love your comment about the wagon as well because I, in the third round of Shiny Healthy You, which just happened, they there was a massive discussion in our Facebook group about this falling off the wagon because we'd you know, people would get into, you know, a few weeks in and they like you said, they'd have a cupcake and then they'd feel really, really shit about it. And they'd they'd get into the Facebook group and go, Oh my God, I've fallen off the wagon and they'd be really sad. And in the end we banned the word wagon. We just went, there's no wagon. What else, what other terms can we use? So we started using little words like speed bumps instead and those sorts of things to just describe that we're still moving forward, but 
we didn't fall off something and hit the tarmac. We just hit a little bump in the road and then kept going forward. And I think that was much kinder. Oh, I love that. And I think you're just so on point there because we've had exactly the same discussion this week in one of my programs. And same thing came up in a Facebook group because they kind of towards the end of the program. So some of them, you know, make that little mistake and they feel like they've, that was all for nothing. And I just go, but you've learned so much and you've moved so, you know, so much, you know, you have this better understanding of food, you're making better choices naturally. So speed bumps is a really great word and we're going to have to use it, I think. Yeah. Another one that I like to use and I was reading this in the book is um, failure forward. You know, instead of thinking of failure as something that sets you back, it's actually something that propels you a little bit forward because you learn from it. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. So you must also receive some really awesome feedback from both your readers and some of your program participants. What are some of the stories you've heard? Things like weight loss, better health. What sort of things happen to people as a result of of following your eating plans? Yeah, um, it's it's quite fascinating because it's such a wide range of benefits. You know, obviously weight loss is actually, I mean, it's something that people want to achieve when they go into these programs most of the time. Um, but then they realize that there's so much more than just weight loss that they get out of it. And, and that's the really fascinating part. So we've had people, I mean, I guess some of the more common uh, positive results or benefits that we see in almost everyone, and that's me including when I started out, was the increased energy levels and kind of more stable energy throughout the day. Um, that happens within kind of the first week. You know, people realize that they're not as hungry in between meals, they don't get this 3 p.m. slump where they need a snack or 11 a.m. snack. Um, you know, they, they can get through the day. So their alertness and their focus and productivity go up as a result. Um, they sleep better naturally. I think if it's probably to do with just more improved digestion and your body being able to relax when it goes to sleep. So a definite improvement in sleep. And we do a lot of focus on sleep, actually, as a, as an, as a lifestyle improvement as well. So we focus on that in certain weeks. Um, clearer skin, people noticing sort of uh, generally a lot of the kind of rashes and uh, things like eczema clearing up uh, from, I guess it's probably because we, we eat a lot of unprocessed foods. So, you know, you're taking away a lot of the additives and sugars and things that are quite inflammatory for the skin. Uh, improved digestion, you know, we've had people with IBS, we've had people with sort of mind and gut health disorders, um, Crohn's disease, you know, autoimmune conditions, and and everybody sees some sort of improvement, of, you know, on different, different levels in those conditions. And some people actually use paleo as a way to manage those conditions, you know, not necessarily reverse some of them, but definitely manage and, you know, they're able to live uh, a better quality life as a result. And other thing that's really interesting, and I find that that is one of the coolest things, that people's mood improves. I don't know if you've noticed that with your programs, but yeah, yes. they, they, you know, they, they have this, they found this new motivation in life. It's, it's quite incredible. I think it's because they take control for the first time. You know, they take control of what they eat and their lifestyle, and with that comes empowerment in other areas of their lives. So. You know, mentally, the kind of the mental well-being improves. Uh, I think if you remove some of the things like gluten and other kind of inflammatory foods, uh, your gut health functions better and your gut health is linked to your brain function as well and your immunity. So people just see better mood, uh, better outlook on life, less irritability, less anxiety, 
uh, less depression, you know, those that are prone to it. Um, so yeah, I find that part is very fascinating is not, not, I mean, the health, the actual physical health is really important, but just people's, um, kind of, you know, happiness changes. And that's why our program's called the happy body formula, because, you know, the body just becomes happier and you become happy as a result, as a person. So that are just some of them, but you know, there are various anecdotes and stories to share as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's amazing what happens when you take that focus off actual weight loss and just put the focus back on eating good nourishing food that makes you feel good and makes you feel happy. Then it, it's almost like the weight loss is like a happy side effect rather than the, you know, it's rather than the focus. Because as soon as you focus on the weight loss, you become a slave to the scales, don't you? Absolutely. And I've seen this. I mean, it's, it's a real habitual thing. Uh, we have to work quite uh, closely with some of our participants because they do they do suffer from kind of that scale syndrome, where they do check in every week and they feel you know they they check their weight so frequently that you know their weight goes up a little bit and they start to panic and they're like, what have I done wrong? You know, what, what did I eat something wrong? And you know, because I mean our weight fluctuates. I mean, especially in women, depending on the time of the month. Um, so, you know, taking away the focus from the scales, uh, allows you to just kind of do what you do is just eat well. And, you know, eventually your weight will stabilize for some people. It might be putting on weight because they actually underweight for others. It's, it's weight loss, but it's more, it's a slower weight loss rather than sort of that bandaid solution where you lose a lot of weight quickly, but you know what happens then they're going to put it on back as just as quickly. Right. So the more slower weight loss the more permanent it is in my eyes and that's kind of been proven. So we always say to people, don't worry too much if the scale is not shifting straight away because it will come. You know, you just have to believe in the process and embrace it and and just go with it. Yeah, the same thing happened to me uh, a few months ago when I started back with a personal trainer and the first month that I went to personal training sessions, I actually gained weight and I was like, oh, dun, dun, dun. So, and she's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's just, you know, that, that first month or two when you're in that transition, it, you know, it, a lot can happen to your body in that time. And, and with the training, I think it was more that um, you gain muscle in that first month or two before you start to shed any fat that's happening. So even though you're gaining weight, you know, your genes are getting looser or you, you're gaining weight but your thighs aren't wobbling as much. So there's other markers as well that people can use for health rather than just that, that number that's between your toes when you're up on the scales. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I always encourage people to, you know, when you start a new program or a new way of eating, kind of measure your, you know, measure your waist and your, and your, and your hips and your kind of all the kind of typical measurements you know, do weigh yourself, but then don't weigh yourself every single week. Wait for a little bit and then kind of see how you feel in your clothes because you're absolutely right. You know, our bodies will change even though the number might stay the same. Yeah. And skinny jeans don't lie unless you've put them on the hot wash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Arena, your recipes are amazing and it's no secret that I'm a huge fan of your food. Who taught you how to cook? Where did you start and how did you get inspiration for such amazing dishes? Well, I'm, um, that's a good question. Um, I'm Ukrainian by origin, so I think cooking is kind of embedded in our DNA probably. <laughs> uh, I mean, everybody grows up cooking and, you know, we cook from scratch at home. It's, it's pretty common. Uh, my grandmother was an amazing cook. She was fantastic and um, I think – 
as a result of my parents cooking and we eating a lot of good food at home, my palate developed quite early on. And then to add to that, I've traveled quite a lot and I've always traveled. So I've tasted, you know, so many different things. So I think, you know, as a result of that, I have a lot of like a big bank of knowledge and arsenal of sort of ideas and recipes and ingredients and how they go together. And so, and kind of, I'm quite a creative person by, by nature as well. And I think that creativity goes, um, it kind of, the outlet is through my recipes and photography and what I do on the website. So I learned to cook from, you know, just trial and error, really. First it was at home and, and then it was, you know, I remember when I was in my 20s, I, I used to watch a lot of cooking shows and I, I just loved cooking as a, as a process. And so I read a lot of cookbooks and practiced and experimented in the kitchen, more just for me, not for anyone else. And um, the more you cook, the better you, you get at cooking. And it's just as simple as that. There's no secret to it. Um, it just helps if you have a bit of a kind of understanding of how flavors work and textures. But, you know, people can learn that. It's, it's not something that you're just necessarily born with it. So um, that's how I started for me. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess I have a knack for it. Just I just think I know what works. In my head it works. Like when I come up with a recipe – you know, I often, I will sleep or wake up and I'm kind of just lying there or something will pop in my head and I go, oh, yeah, that would go well together. And usually if it works in my head, when I cook it, it will work. Like I can write a recipe without actually cooking it these days because I just, because I have so much experience now. So, but to me, I love that process of going, oh, this is a great idea in my head and then trying it and then maybe, you know, modifying it slightly depending on what's in season and what I can find. And then coming up with something going, I'm so glad it worked because it worked in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But I think uh, some people might listen to that and just feel a little overwhelmed, like like they can't even get it to work in the kitchen, let alone in their head. Um, If people are like starting out and trying to cook healthy and they're coming across from like your packet mixes and your, you know, your simmer sauces and your cantongs and all that pre-prepared stuff, if they're just if they're just coming across and trying to eat whole food or trying to eat paleo, what are some really simple dishes or things they can do when they're just starting out? Some really non-overwhelming stuff, perhaps. Yeah, um, totally. Look, um, you know, of course, I, I do take it for granted that I can cook so well. Yeah, you're and I have a, to you're a natural. <laughs> um, but you know, the, some of the really basic things is if you can stock up your pantry with really good herbs and spices. You know, just some really good basics like paprika and cumin and coriander seed, some dried Italian herbs, oregano, curry powder, garlic. You know, chili. If you have all those little flavoring ingredients then all you really need is a really good piece of chicken or fish, um, you know, or, or whatever whatever you're into. And it's all about just experimenting with a bit of seasoning and grilling it and serving like a really beautiful fresh salad, which, you know, you can easily make um, or some even nice vegetables that you roast, like roasting veggies and roasting meat. It's quite um, um, simple. So my kind of go-to dishes, because, you know, I don't always cook these elaborate meals. And actually, if you go to my website, you'll see most of my recipes are pretty straightforward. I try not to use any ingredients that you can't easily get in the supermarket. Pretty much everything I use, you should be able to get anywhere. Um, But my go-to meals would be something like a piece of salmon, um, which I'll sprinkle with a few herbs and spices. And I just bake it in the oven, 200 degrees, about 17, 15 minutes. And in the meantime, I will make a nice big salad and maybe boil some sweet potato. Simple as that. 
And, you know, once you have this kind of one formula dish, then you can substitute the protein. You know, you can grill some chicken and you can roast some veggies. So I kind of alternate between my oven and my stove. But I do keep them quite simple um, during the week. So it's just finding kind of two or three things that work for you and nailing that down and then, you know, just subbing vegetables depending on the season really and the meat. Um, but, yeah, herbs and spices are my go-to friends <laughs> in the kitchen because that's what makes a big difference. Yeah, and and I love what you said about it being so simple because that is what I love about your food. It, it really is simple but it looks amazing. Uh, I'm a really massive fan of your food photography. Uh, you always make even the simple stuff look really colourful and amazing. Where did you learn your food styling skills? Um, I just kind of picked it up as I went along. Um, no, there is actually, there was something that I did to learn it. So I did photography at university. I was, I did an arts degree, uh, and I did a little bit of photography because I had a personal interest in it for travel. And so I learned how to use a manual camera a long time ago. And that certainly helps now because that's what I use. Um, and then when I started cooking for my blog originally, you know, I took, I took decent photos, but they weren't fantastic. And so I saw all these other bloggers out there and I thought, how do they make their look, food look so good and then in magazines, you know? And what I did is I basically found a way to get some work experience with a professional food photographer. Um, I just worked with them for three days for free. I was on the shoot uh, and they were shooting for, I can't remember what it was, like a food magazine in Australia, maybe Better Homes and Gardens, something like that. And it was a food photographer and a stylist and a cook at the at the place. And I basically hung out with them for three days. I just helped with whatever I could, clean the dishes, you know. And and luckily for me, the photographer was so generous with his knowledge and he just he just basically showed me a few things and a few little tips and tricks here and there. And the food stylist had this all these amazing um, you know, cutlery and 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 pots and pans and, and linen and, you know, huge cupboard. And I was just, I was so inspired by that one work experience. This is a few years ago now that I just thought I want to learn how to do this. And I just practiced. It was simple as that. You know, I looked at a photo and I would think, where does the light come from? You know, what did they put here? And try and replicate things until it became kind of natural to me. And so these days I don't really do anything, you know, super kind of complicated. It's just I have a good camera and I use daylight, you know, good lighting is is so essential in photography. So if you have that and, you know, I go to flea markets and I pick up little, you know, bits bits and pieces of ceramics and linen if I see something fun and I have like I build up my own little uh, pantry for that. So um, it was just through, yeah, I just, I just loved seeing it and I just thought I'm going to learn how to do it and I just taught myself basically eventually. <laughs> yeah, it really, really shows in your work. That, that work experience, that sounds like the best day out ever. <laughs> it, really it was does. so fun and I got to try all the food too at the end. It was oh. just really cool. <laughs> That's even better. Oh, my God, that would just be so much fun. Arena, you're really busy um, and you've got online business and it's quite successful. Do you take time out? How do you relax and how do you unwind? I know I've uh-huh. seen some photos on Facebook of some pretty crazy outdoorsy stuff, but how, how else do you create balance in your life? That's a big one and I'll be really honest and say that it is really hard for me to find work-life balance I think it's because I um, 
I do something that I love, you know, and it's my business. So of course, you know, when it's when you're doing your own business and it, and it's something you're really passionate about, you can do it twenty four seven. You know, if nobody stopped you, you could just keep going, right? Yeah. But you know, I have a partner and I have friends, and they keep me in check, so that that helps. So a couple of things that I do, and actually, this is anyone can apply this. Um, one thing is getting out, getting outdoors, and I think you mentioned that. I personally love hiking and rock climbing. And what happens with those activities is they usually take you to places where there's no Wi-Fi connection um, <laughs> and where I can't bring a laptop. So I regularly schedule in and book trips to go hiking or climbing like out in the wilderness. We're talking about for a few days. So I completely go off the grid uh, and, you know, that rebalances me and it's, I find it very grounding and you might, have, you, you might be familiar with the term uh, earthing Yes. Uh, where you kind of connect back with the earth and, you know, walking barefoot and getting out and spending time in nature. I do believe that it rejuvenates you and kind of re-energizes you with, um, with natural energy that you wouldn't get otherwise. It kind of clears your head, you know, puts everything in perspective. So one thing for everybody to do is schedule time to get outdoors and whatever that might be, but make it somewhere you can't access your laptop or email or phone or Facebook you know, completely go off the grid. The other thing that we started doing and something that I, we also do in our programs is we have a tech light day. Usually it's a Saturday or Sunday, one of the weekend days. It's basically no laptop day or, you know, minimal use of technology. So you kind of schedule a day where you, you create a lot less stimulation from a technical point of view because we're so stimulated by technology and, you know, our attention span becomes uh, smaller, you know, we don't read as much. So I try to not do any computer work during those days and I just read, I go shopping, I go, you know, movies, whatever you might be interested in, but having tech light days is really important. And one last thing is is basically having a bit of a bed bed bedtime routine. So unwinding before you go to bed because you might know this as a if you're running a business or you always have it like an ongoing to-do list. And so when you go to bed, you're lying there with the to-do list thinking, I don't want to forget anything that I need to get done the next morning because you're just thinking, oh, you know, I have to do it now. So what I do is I have a, um, a thing that's called, you know, you, you write your to-do list on a piece of paper before you go to bed. That way you kind of take it out of your head and you put it on a piece of paper so you know you're not going to forget it. And automatically that, you know, that puts you at ease a little bit. And then also no kind of no phone stimulation in bed, you know, that blue light that, that, comes from the laptop or your phone it's something that keeps you awake so we try to have at least an hour two hours before bed where we don't use any kind of technology or we try to anyway it's a constant battle between me and my boyfriend because <laughs> I just want to check the Instagram I just want to see if there's another you know if I need to reply to a comment or something but you literally have to put your phone down open a book um or, you know, maybe watch a movie or something like that. But, you know, on your laptop, I have an application called Flux, which uh, allows my – it automatically turns my laptop screen from this kind of blue light to orangey sunset light. So even if I am working at night, uh, my laptop reminds me that it's time to go to sleep and it slowly changes its tone. And it actually kind of makes you a little bit tired and sleepy. So – if you're a, a laptop addict like me, you can install that application and it actually helps you to unwind as you're still using it at night. So if you're watching a movie or just playing on Facebook, you can still kind of, it's sort of, the, the light will change. So that's fantastic. Some people wear those orange goggles, like, you know, glasses at night 
to also block some of that blue light. Um, and you'll find that you sleep much better as a result because you actually slow down and your cortisol levels go down instead of being stimulated. So that there are some of my tips and tricks to unwind. <laughs> love it. Love it. Every type A personality needs a list of tips and tricks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's my to-do list to not have a to-do list. <laughs> my to-do list is actually sorted into categories and then it's synced across two devices. So I think that says something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Constant access to the to-do list, yeah. <laughs> Only because we love our jobs. Only because. Um, Arena, where can people find you? Um, what's the best place for them to come and see more of what you do and all your beautiful food and your program? Um, so, yeah, I have two – well, I kind of – you can find me online if you just sort of Google my name. But uh, I've got a personal web a blog, which I mentioned, which is eatdrinkpaleo.com.au. And that's where I do all of my recipes. It's generally food, but I do publish some guest posts around health and wellness, and I have lots of resources that people can find. Um, on my other site, which is happybodyformula.com, that's my nine-week nutrition and wellness program. And that is – we also have a blog with that as well. Um, but that's kind of my new baby where I wanted to put all of my knowledge and expertise and and create something that people can actually follow from from A to B. It's like a full journey uh, with, you know, we have a coach, we have a tracking app, dedicated sort of Facebook group. I did all the meal plans for nine weeks and all the recipes are new. So it's um, a great way if you want to just follow something. But, you know, you can also do your own thing, obviously. But we've got lots of experts on board and, you know, as you know, with your own program, you kind of try and put in everything that you've learned into one package so that it's just easier for people to follow from A to Z. So if people are interested in doing something like that, um, it's a it's a nine-week, but we do a one-week foundation, four-week um, reset where we do like a pretty strong um, 100% clean paleo protocol. But then the last four weeks, and this is something a lot of programs don't, don't do, specifically within paleo community, is we do four weeks of recalibration, which is during that time we we kind of take your hand and we lead you through reintroductions of different foods so that by the time you finish the program, you have your own framework or your own eating plan that works for you, not because, you know, because depending on your sensitivities. So it's a really cool program from that perspective. And we also teach things like sleep and stress toxins. We talk about lots of other non-food related stuff emotional eating, meditation, you know, all that kind of good jazz. So head on over to happybodyformula.com if you want. I think we're running the next round July 5th and we, at the moment, if you register your interest, you can get, uh, we have this um, it's contest. It's like a, we give away five free entries to the program. So you, you automatically go in the draw to win one of those if you just register your interest. And um so that's going to be in July. And if you don't want to commit to nine weeks, because that can be quite, you know, overwhelming for some people, we also started running a, a seven-day free challenge just recently. And um, I did a little meal plan, which is a seven-day batch cooking meal plan. It's actually quite cool because you make all of your meals for five days on the weekend, you know, that's three, four hours, and you sort of have your fridge stocked with everything you need. So if you're busy or you just want to give it a go without sort of committing yourself full-time, you can try that seven-day challenge or just get the meal plan and do it in your own time. Um, so that's all on happybodyformula.com. And um, 
I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. So people can find me through those channels of Facebook. Really depends where you hang out. So <laughs> They might hang out everywhere like us. Um, I'll yeah. make sure I pop all those links up in the show notes for you too, hun. So they'll all be there uh, for everyone to click on. Sounds great. Thank you. No worries. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Arena. It's been really a pleasure and I can't wait to see what you come up with next. And I really hope that everyone comes over and has a look at your beautiful, beautiful food because it really is amazing. Thank you, Jules. It's been really fun um, being in your podcast. I'm so happy you're doing the one and it seems like uh, you're getting some pretty exciting people on board. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. And also, good luck with your program. So when are you running your next one? It's about to turn evergreen. So uh, oh, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be up there for anyone to do at any time, which is going to be really exciting. Sounds super cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. And I'm sure I'm going to see you online around. And I, I follow your little uh, surfing photos as well because <laughs> that looks like the way you unwind. Yeah. <laughs> I follow your rock climbing photos and you follow my surfing ones. It's a deal. How beautiful and talented is Irina Macri? Now, if you liked this episode, please take the time to give it a five-star review on iTunes. I promise to send you loads and loads of virtual hugs in return. If you'd like some free whole food recipes that are simple to make, head to julesgalloway.com, scroll down a little, and on the right-hand side, you'll see a spot where you can get your free recipe book. And while you're online, please go and check out my 12-week program called Shiny Healthy You, Fatigue to Fabulous in 12 Weeks. It's perfect if you're tired, stressed or suffering from adrenal fatigue. You'll find it at shinyhealthyyou.com and it's open for enrollments right now. Tune in next week for another awesome interview. Until then, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.